I'm Sue Lin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Mile High Huddles, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Freeman is back there, blocked by Leary, caught for the touchdown! A two-yard laser, Fumangali from the University of Wisconsin. Third and goal of the one, Lindsey is in, Janovich the fullback, Janovich hit, nice big hit there by Kendrick, he continues to dig, he's not, they call a touchdown! They call a touchdown on a one-yard jump inside. Trying to set up the screen to his tight end, Noah Fant. He's got some room to run. He cuts it back at the 10. Fant takes it in. Touchdown, Denver. The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. And so caught. Touchdown, Cortland Sutton. His fifth career touchdown, but his first here in Denver. And now, here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exorcise the demons of another doomed season. I have exorcised the demons. This house is clear. Okay. And we are live. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented by Mile High Huddle, as always, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, I thought it was interesting today. Well, Wade Phillips, former head coach of the Broncos, former Super Bowl winning defensive coordinator of the Denver Broncos, was scapegoated by the L.A. Rams. They... uh, Canned him today. He's a free agent coach. How long do you think it'll take him to find a new job? Not long at all. He has way too much skin in the game. His reputation precedes him. He's still among the best coaches. And he even said himself, he feels like he can still contribute. He feels like he can still coach. And there's always a place for that in the NFL. I mean, selfishly, I'd like him to come back to Denver and kind of finish his uh, his business here. But no room for him with Vic, Vic Fangio at Donatel. He will land on his feet, though. Still a great coach, but uh, kind of surprising. They scapegoated him. He was always that veteran buffer to a young coach like Sean McVay. But I guess the writing was on the wall for him in, L- in L.A. 
that meltdown in the game, who was it they played San Francisco where they needed to win to get mm. into the playoffs and the defense just was trounced. Like it was the worst possible time for that defense to spring the leaks that it did. And it was easy for them to scapegoat him, especially, I mean, the reason he left Denver, let's just rewind for a second. He wanted to be paid commensurately with, he wanted to be the top paid defensive coordinator in the yep. league, if not the top paid coordinator, but at least the top paid defensive coordinator and to be recognized for his impact in the Broncos, bringing home a third world championship. And he was seeking reportedly, this was apocryphal this is not confirmed upwards of two and a half million per year as an assistant. That's a ton of money. And it's, I mean, John Elway was like, look, dude, we love you, but, not that much. Two and a half million, dude. I mean, yeah. you had Vaughn Miller, Der- uh, Derek Wolf, Demarcus Ware, TJ Ward. I mean, Chris Harris, Akeem Tulu. We go down the line. You had yeah. an all-time defense that we gave you. Of course you won the Super Bowl, dude. I mean, let's go. But ultimately, they thought that the combination of Vance Joseph, who they originally wanted to hire as Gary Kubiak's defensive coordinator, remember – they first wanted Vance Joseph to be Gary Kubiak when he was hired head coach in 2015. They wanted Vance Joseph to be the defensive coordinator, but the Bengals would not let him take the job as their secondary coach. They they blocked him. So they went, well, who's a number two? Kubiak's like, let's grab Wade. They had experience working together. Wade comes in as the backup option, basically, and just crushes it. The Broncos win the Super Bowl that year. And so eventually when it ended up being Vance Joseph and Joe Woods, let's also not forget the Broncos – they thought they they viewed Joe Woods as an up and coming rising star in the coaching realm, and they thought, well, we could you know considering the lemonade that Wade was able to make with the pieces, the personnel pieces we gave him, we're pretty confident Joe Woods can do the same. And it obviously didn't work out that way. Yeah, boy, were they wrong about that. It, it's still just – it just kills me, though. The Broncos could have had uh, – ostensibly, they could have had Kyle Shanahan and Wade Phillips on the same staff, and they, they skewed both of them to go for a guy like Vance Joseph. I'm still not over that, Chad. Three years later now, I just yeah. can't get over it. It's just always going to be a deep wound for me. But I, I Wade will back on his feet in no time. And in terms of the, the Rams, his, his departure there, look at the pieces they traded away. I mean, Marcus Peters, Akeet's lead they got rid of. Uh, Sue never worked out for them. Aaron Donald kind of got a big payday and took a little bit of a step back. I mean, he'd work with what they had, but that offense wasn't as good this year. The offense lost them a title opportunity. That defense was good enough to beat Brady in the Super Bowl. The offense never showed up. So I feel bad for Wade, but no question in my mind he'll be coaching again in 2020. I, I don't think you can argue that <clears throat> the biggest culprit to the Rams not making the playoffs this year was the offense just getting into a funk, taking a step backward. Yeah. Yep. McVay and, Goff. and Jared Goff and, and even Todd Gurley, they were exposed by Bill Belichick, put a scheme, a blueprint on tape in the Super Bowl of how to beat Sean McVay. And NFL teams, it's a copycat league. They just followed suit, followed. And, and it wasn't, you know, it's not like they were dominated and blown off the ball, but they just, he hasn't quite Sean McVay counterpunched the counterpunch, right? He, right. He, he landed the first blow, took the NFL by storm for two years, got to the Super Bowl. Belichick came in, uppercut to the chin, knocked him out. And hmm. he's, he's back on his feet, but he hasn't been able to counterpunch the counterpunch quite yet. Yeah, I mean, he. I think um, with a better quarterback, I think the Rams would have a better shot. But they are so tied to Jared Goff financially and Todd Gurley, they kind of made their own cap hell for them, and now they have to lay in that bed. So we'll see what McVay does. But no fear about Oway Phillips; he'll be he'll be just fine. Welcome into everybody. Been hanging out in the room. John Boy, Ryan, Buana Beast, Dustin, 
and everybody else that's been hanging out and who's joined us. We appreciate you guys being with us here today. We're going to address a very, I think, pressing storyline that has consumed a large swath of Broncos country the last couple days since Tom Brady was bounced from the playoffs. But first, I I actually wanted to get your take on something here, Zach, since you also cover the NFL at large for heavy.com. What was your take on the Dallas Cowboys so quickly moving from Jason Garrett to, boom, hiring Mike McCarthy? Obviously, Chad, they had a plan in place when they got rid of Jason Garrett last night. No team fires their coach and hires one 24 hours later. They didn't go through any interviews, no Lincoln Riley, no Urban Meyer. They settled on Mike McCarthy. I happen to think he's a step up from Jason Garrett, but that's not saying much. It's like saying a step up from Vance Joseph. It's just that's the lowest barometer there is. I think he will do well with Dak Prescott. I think it was an okay hire, but it wasn't a sexy hire. It wasn't a flashy hire. I would have liked someone with a little more creativity, like a Lincoln Riley, like an Urban Meyer, uh, like a Greg Roman, the guy from Baltimore, the play caller. I just he doesn't really move the needle for me. But I think that what they wanted was a win now coach and not a learn now coach. A guy who can come in yeah. with a very talented roster, Super Bowl caliber roster, and hopefully get them to that next level. Yep. You know what? I there's something to be said. Even though he won a, a world championship in his first go round as a head coach. It's been, you know, almost a decade, if not a decade, from the time he won that world title with Aaron Rodgers to the time the, the Packers canned him. But there's something to be said for coaches learn, you know, doing better their second time around. Right. Mike Shanahan's a good example of that. Uh, Gary Kubiak's a good example of that. Yeah, they're out there. But it'll be interesting to see whether or not he can, as you say, you know, win now instead of learn now, hit the ground running. So many of the personnel pieces are in place. Yes. And, um, you know, they got some key free agents this year, but it will be interesting to see whether or not he can he can repay that with some immediate dividends. I, I kind of like the staff he's putting together. He has Mike Nolan as his defensive coordinator. I think he might keep Kellen Moore as the offensive play caller. So in terms of coaching staffs, it's kind of a good mix of young and old. But I, I wanted someone personally a little more flashy, but I understand the way Jerry Jones went. He still... Uh, want someone he can run the team through, kind of a yes man. And Mike McCarthy, maybe not so much as Jason Garrett, but he's a, a toe-the-company-line kind of guy. He's always going to do what's in the best interest of the team. And he can be the one to unlock that Dak Prescott potential. It's just, will he? It, can, can he get him over the edge? They were a 10-11, 12-win team this year that was hampered by coaching. Can he be the difference? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Well, guys, we're going to dive into some Bronco topics here. First, just a couple of quick matters of business. I want to remind everybody to make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's just the best way to stay on top of everything that's happening with the show and Broncos news and analysis in real time, at HuddleUpPod. And then don't forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a creative review on the show, and uh, if you like what Zach and I are doing, give us a five-star rating. It's a great way to organically uh, support and help the show. And then it also enters you into our monthly giveaway, our drawing. We'll grab a couple names out of the hat randomly from those who reviewed the show in the month of January, for example. And the first week of February, we'll announce those winners, send them a hat, send them a shirt, send them a beanie, whatever that piece of swag might be as a thank you for taking the time to support the show. So head over to Apple Podcasts and take care of that. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Earn your online healthcare degree from your couch, at the kitchen table, or even from that weirdly combined guest room slash home office. We're talking about your online Mercy Plus degree from Mercy College of Health Sciences. With four convenient start times per year, the ability to transfer up to 90 credits at a cost of just $2,500 per quarter, and healthcare majors such as nursing, public health, and healthcare administration, Mercy Plus is the fast, flexible, and affordable way to transform into a healthcare hero. Apply online today at plus.mchs.edu. All right, Zach, what I wanted to talk about today, we've, you know, we've, we've touched on it, but it really was a key talking point all day long on Monday on Denver radio for those who, who were listening. And it's been something that's on social media as well amongst Broncos fans. And it's kind of captivated the Denver, you know, greater Broncos country, if you will, the idea that Tom Brady is about to hit free agency and, Considering John Elway's track history with Peyton Manning, which was followed by Case Keenum, which was followed by Joe Flacco, how much he values and that that veteran quarterback that's been to the top of the mountain that has some experience, prioritizing the win now ethos, if you will, over the from now on aspect of it. Tom Brady, though, let's not forget he's 43 years old. He might be a six-time world champion arguably the greatest quarterback. Elway has said he's the greatest quarterback in the, in, in the history of the league. I'm not sure if I could quite go there just because it's the chicken or the egg. Is it Brady? Is it Belichick? Who do you give the ultimate credit to? Right. But that's beside the point. It's Tom Brady. We all know who he is. What are your thoughts on the idea of Tom Brady, the Denver Broncos, giving him a sniff, seeing if he'd be interested to come to Denver? Because I'm not convinced, Zach, that that would move the needle for the Denver Broncos at this time, considering the physical limitations, Father Time came calling this this year pretty evidently in the case of Tom Brady. I would happen to think that even if Drew Locke didn't arrive on the scene, even if he didn't show out well toward the end of the year, they wouldn't take a gamble on Tom Brady or any other retread veteran quarterback. I, I like to think that Elway finally learned his lesson after the Flacco disaster, that it's not the way to go in the NFL. You can't just rent quarterbacks from year to year. You have to establish a young franchise guy. With Drew Locke in the picture, Chad, it's a less than 0% chance. Why would he go back to that well, bring in all those storylines, spend all that money, and then put your young hotshot second year quarterback back on the bench it makes no sense to me it never did if he ends up playing another team next year it'll be the Chargers the Colts someone like that a very uh, desperate team that wants a veteran quarterback I don't see it in Denver and from Brady's point of view why would he come to Denver he will be able to pick his next team anyone he wants to play with I don't happen to think they're as far advanced as he would like. They're not ready to win a title right now, even with him in place. And like you said, he's not the Brady from 10 years ago. He's not the Brady from five years ago. He really slowed down this year. His arm strength is shot. I believe he doesn't have the same athleticism, even it wasn't that great to begin with. I happen to think it's it's a pipe dream. I don't know why any Broncos fans talking about it or giving it any sort of attention. 
You know, I'm not pining for it. Don't don't mistake what I'm about to say as me trying to make a case for it. But just to play devil's advocate, the one thing that I can say that you could possibly consider 2019 as being a kind of false positive on Brady finally going off the cliff is the fact that he's missing those elite pieces around him from the skill position perspective. Yes, Sony Michelle's good. James White's good from a running back position. Solid O-line. It's always solid in New England because of Skarnecchia, Dante Skarnecchia out there. But no Gronk. You know, they tried to bring in Antonio Brown. We all know how that shook out. Julian Edelman's a great slot guy, but if you're relying on him to be your dynamic, change the game, focal point of an offense, I mean, he's just not that guy. So there's an argument to be made, I think, that's worth at least examining in, in, as a topic of conversation. What would Tom Brady look like if you gave him Cortland Sutton, if you gave him Noah Fant, and some pieces around him, Philip Lindsay? Now, again, don't mistake this for me advocating directly for Tom Brady. I'm just saying, what's your take on that? Uh, well, the thing is, I, I see where you're coming from, but he's never had elite pieces, Chad. He's always made do with these these random parts around him. Even people like Chad Jackson going back in the day, wide receivers. He's never really had elite talent. The one player I will agree with you on was Gronk. He really sorely missed that safety blanket in the middle of the field, that red zone weapon. When he retired, it, it was a, Matt Lacoste and a bunch of unknowns. That Ben, eighty-seven-year-old Ben Watson. That's yeah. what. That's where his biggest downgrade came this year. But also physically, he wasn't the same quarterback. He was not as good in the pocket. He, he didn't have the same arm strength. So I happen to think he'd still be. I mean, Brady at 42, 44, whatever he is now, diminished is still better than most quarterbacks in the NFL, and he would be right. good in this supporting cast. I just think he's not the Brady that most fans associate with him. I don't think he would uh, want to come to Denver. I don't think he will come to Denver, Chad. And remember, when Peyton came, he was 36, almost 37. That's a that's a massive jump. That's almost, not quite, a 10-year difference to where Tom Brady is right mm, now. That's a good point. So if if this were a case of Tom Brady at 36, 37, even 38 years old, I think it would warrant more of a real hard look from a team like the Denver Broncos. However, at his current age and limitations and the likelihood that Father Time is very quickly going to pull the rug out from under him completely, okay, I don't think it's worth the risk of what it would do to Drew Locke. And Jason, by the way, jumps in here with a $10 donation on Super Chat. Thank we you love guys. you, buddy. Yep. He says, absolutely no way Elway takes Brady. It would kill all credibility in that locker room. Elway has to run with Locke and build around him for the future. Yep. And both of us agree with you on that, Jason. That's That would be my biggest concern is you, you, you finally did it the hard way, Zach. You took your lumps. You went through three and a half, well, four years of missing the playoffs, three years of not winning, three and a half years of, of down in the dumps, not winning. You finally draft and develop a quarterback that appears to have everything it takes to be that franchise guy. Why at this point, at the 11th hour, <clears throat> if you're going to risk that, you risk that for a guaranteed upgrade. And I don't think at this stage, even though Brady's a six-time world champion, three-time league MVP, Zach, I don't think you could say that he would be an upgrade. I don't – I mean, yeah, for between the years, absolutely. I mean, just like Peyton Manning, those guys, the way they prepare, their knowledge of the game, I mean, they've forgotten more than most of us will ever know. But from a wherewithal physical ability to play the game, long-term upside, it just doesn't add up. 
Not to mention, he would be a lot more expensive, Tom Brady, than Drew Locke would be right now. So, yeah, in a sense, they have all the upside in the world. They have the arm talent advantage in Drew Locke. And I think the team rallied around him, and they're finally building this close-knit community in the locker room. And I think someone like Brady, with all his hoopla and his stature and his status, he would disrupt a lot of that. It would do more harm than good. If this team couldn't overcome the distraction from Joe Flacco, how would they deal with Tom Brady in, in this locker room, in this organization? I don't think he would jive with Elway. I don't think he would jive with Vic Fan. Angio, I, I, it just wouldn't be a good move at all. And I agree with one of the comments from Gerald. He says, four years ago, maybe. Now, no way. And even if they didn't have Drew Lock chat this year, I would not advocate for Brady or any other veteran quarterback. Go with the young guy. Take your lumps with him. And like you said, do it the right way. Don't put Band-Aids over bullet holes any longer. No more rentals. Yeah. I agree. Let's let's turn the page just for a second here from Buck and Bronco. Oh, no. this I'm sorry. This was the wrong one. Where would it go? Bear with me. I'll find it. I mean, that's the biggest thing, guys, as I as I go through the comment stream, I'm trying to find some salient comments slash questions here that contribute to the conversation. That's the biggest thing is you're, you're looking for an upgrade. If you're going to risk upsetting the apple cart with regard to Drew Locke's confidence, his momentum, I mean, momentum is a real thing. Even Tim Tebow, that, that 2012 offseason, following the miracle win against Pittsburgh in the wild card and all that transpired, in his end-of-season presser right next to John Fox that year, Elway said Tim Tebow has done enough to go into the offseason as the guy. He's the starter for now. Little did he know that Peyton Manning was going to hit free agency, and that completely altered the game. But in that moment, I don't think Elway would have pursued Pey- uh, Peyton Manning if Tim if he believed Tim Tebow was the long-term answer at quarterback. And that's, I think, the big difference between that situation, aside from the age gap Manning then to, to Brady now, I think that's the biggest thing is Elway believes. I mean, I wrote a couple articles today at milehighhuddle.com, one of which was Derek Wolf absolutely gushing over what the future holds with Drew Locke. And I want to grab that quote here in just a second, but it echoes what pretty much everyone has said about Drew Locke in that Broncos locker room. And let's not forget, it's not easy for a rookie quarterback to assimilate into a pro locker room, especially when he arrives initially and he's not the guy. You know, Joe Flacco was the guy. So, so Drew Locke, he's used the the word or the term tiptoe. He had to kind of tiptoe around the locker room in the in the beginning. And it wasn't until he was tapped to start that he felt like in week 13, following his 10 week exile, that he felt like he could really be himself and let his his charisma and his leadership style and his swagger, if you will, kind of come out. And guys were they responded to that in a big way. Here's what Wolf said when he was cleaning out his locker last week. Quote: We all believe in Drew. If I'm here or not talking about his future as a free agent, I still want to see him succeed because I like the guy. I like him. He's a good kid, and he's got a ton of potential. He can be as good as he wants to be, and I'm excited about the future of the Broncos. And I think that's just not something you want to risk by bringing in a 43-year-old Tom Brady. You know, that's right. That's what I was saying. Even if the Broncos did not have Drew Locke, I have to believe that Elway learned his lesson right now. He's seen the way the NFL has gone. He's seen the way that Kyle Shanahan, what he's done with a young quarterback in Garoppolo in San Francisco, he's trying to model that concept. He, he hired one of his coaches. It's just not, in this day and age, you can't win with a rental quarterback, an old veteran retread quarterback. you got to go young. And I think he finally learned his lesson this offseason, Chad, this past offseason. Our good friend Stu McPeak jumps in with a $15 donation on Super Chat. We appreciate you so much, brother. And he also said earlier in the comment stream, it's so hot and heavy that I can't – I tried to find it again, but it's gone. But basically, Stu, his sentiment was, man, this sucks. I hope this is the last playoff 
tournament without the Denver Broncos. And there's, mm. you know, I think there's a good chance that the, the team could turn the ship around. They need to hit the, in 2020 and get to the playoffs. They need to hit this year with all their, I mean, 70 plus million in cap space, as many as 12 draft picks. There's a good chance, man, that this team enters 2020 on a the kind of tear that the Baltimore Ravens did this year. Now, I'm not necessarily going to put it, you know, Drew Locke MVP 2020. That's not what I'm saying. But a team that kind of, even though the Ravens had, were in the playoffs last year, they kind of came out of nowhere in terms of how dominant they were out of the gates, and it just never subsided. Like, it was consistent through 16 weeks. I could see the Broncos following that, that kind of a, a trajectory if Locke continues to develop the way I think he will with his work ethic and just the player that he is, and the Broncos hit on their free agent moves this year. No more injury-prone, you know, titty cases like Juwan James, and they hit on their draft picks. Chad, I'll take it a step further. If Locke pans out and he stays healthy, the Broncos can keep him healthy. This will be the last year the Broncos don't make the playoffs for quite a while. It will be a perennial playoff contending team with a fully developed Drew Locke hitting his prime and hitting his potential and the Broncos pieces around him. So uh, 2020, we both expect the Broncos to be in the wild card race at a minimum. But if Locke goes ahead of schedule and they put some pieces around him, they can compete for the division. They will be competitors for the next decade if and only if Locke hits certain heights. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Garrett says that we should all get our heads out of our behinds because Brady's the greatest QB of all time. That's not, not necess- that's not something that I'm really not trying to, to dispute at this point. It's a fit. It's a timing thing. And Jake brings it up here too. The only reason to get Tom Brady is to get back on primetime <laughs> TV. That's why the LA chargers are going to be pushing hard to mm. get Tom Brady so they can sell some tickets finally in their own uh, local market. That's exactly what I was going to say. He would, you know, he would put the butts in seats and the Broncos, you know, they've had some attendance issues, but nothing like the Chargers. And that's, I wouldn't expect them to make such a franchise altering move just to put some money back in their pockets. So not going to happen. Brian jumps in $5 donation on super chat. Thank Thank you, you, brother. We appreciate you. You got some stuff coming your way, by the way. Uh, Let's see here. Terry from Canada. 
Great show as always. Glad I can contribute. Ten dollar donations. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Terry. Especially after yesterday, that that means a lot. Appreciate you. Uh, let's see what Ryan here says. I miss the days of Alex Gibbs and the O line. Can somebody please tell Skangs to put the pitch back into our running place? Thanks. A couple of times, uh, I so want to. I, I don't need outside runs for Lindsay. That's uh, that's a fair point. Now, I think what these guys are talking about is the fact that Pro Football Focus ranked the Broncos' offensive line in 2019 12th, and Nick Kendall had an article breaking that down and whether or not that was a um, plausible ranking for the Denver Broncos' offensive line. End of the day, Pro Football Focus, their grades can be arbitrary, but their metrics, they, they basically, you know, they don't lie, and especially how an offensive line does in terms of giving up pressures, you can maybe pick a bone with how they grade with as it relates to run blocking, but I think that's actually pretty fair. About middle of the pack, maybe slightly better than average offensive line in 2019. And that's saying something, Zach, considering you had Juwan James appear in only three games, didn't even add up to a, a full game's worth of snaps in the whole season. You had Ron Leary basically miss the final quarter of the season. You had Garrett Bowles in a slump to open the year, and then he turned the ship around. I think it's a credit to Mike Munchak, the level of play that they eventually got out of that unit, especially from the bye week on. But let's also not discount how much having a legit quarterback in Drew Locke, who was only sacked three times in five games, affected that equation as well. Maybe I'm a little childish, but that's a funny typo for uh, Scangarello's nickname. I'm sorry, using that when we're all yeah, mad at him thanks. next season. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I fully. It's just something I've said for quite a while this season that the Broncos are giving the Freeman runs to Lindsey and the Lindsey runs to Freeman, and that's not a Munchak issue or an offensive line issue. That's a coaching issue. And once that gets hammered out, I think the offense will coalesce a lot better. But I agree with you, Chad. The Broncos' offensive line really is not as bad as most people make it out to be. They can be upgraded in some spots for sure, but they have the pieces there and they have the coaching there to be at least a competent unit if they can protect lock and open up holes in the running game that's all i'll take where do you stand we talked to eric trickle about this yesterday the idea of you know in a perfect world you're sitting at pick 15 not necessarily from a which player am i am i looking for an answer here but from a which direction do you go in a perfect world is it corner is it wide receiver is it offensive line when you talk about building the nest around drew lock i've kind of thought about this overnight and throughout today the more I think about it, as much as is offensive line, of, you know, if Tristan Wirfs were there, if Andrew Thomas was there, maybe we got to have a conversation. But I think you need to get Drew Locke that that second difference making wide receiver. And if it's a Rugs, great. If it's a CD Lamb, I don't think he'll last that long. Jerry Judy might. But we'll see. His stock's kind of gone down a little bit. Uh, T Higgins. There's some guys there that could offer you that pop, that explosion from the Z wide receiver position that could help Drew Locke turn the corner in 2020 like fans are hoping that he will. I don't see how it's that unrealistic. I mean, you look at what the Ravens did with Hollywood Brown. They supplemented their young quarterback with an early round wide receiver, a burner, and that's exactly what Drew Locke needs. I've been going back and forth. First of all, I don't think cornerback should be in the mix unless someone falls in their laps. I mean, they can wait on that position. To me, it's either offensive line, you know, a tackle, or a wide receiver. At first, I wanted a lineman, but like you said, I don't think the top three guys are going to fall into the Broncos' laps. There's a better chance a receiver will fall to the Broncos. I happen to think they should go in that position get a speedster, get a burner, the perfect compliment to Cortland Sutton. Let's just assume rugs, Chad. You got Sutton, rugs, Lindsey, Fant, Drew Locke, Tim Patrick, Deshaun Hamilton. It's a pretty good offense to me. 
Absolutely. And Jason jumps back in $5 donation. Thank you, brother. Henry Ruggs declared for the draft today. He would help assure a playoff run along with Sutton and Fant would help beat KC. And that's, that's part of the issue here is you got to be able to fight fire with fire. And that chief's defense is pretty good. They really, especially turned it on the second half of the season. But I think if you're going to take down Patrick Mahomes, there's not been that one, defensive czar that's just come in and found a way even the great Bill Belichick to completely stymie him you know in the same way that you saw Belichick out with McVay and and uh, Goff in the Super Bowl that and even Lamar Jackson as a rookie in the playoffs last year you haven't really seen that with regard to Patrick Mahomes which means as if you're the Denver Broncos you're going look we can try to slow down that offense but at the end of the day we're going to have to keep up offensively if we want to take down yes. Patrick Mahomes. And that's why when you when we talk about building the nest around Drew Locke, it should, be, it should mean something more specific than just adding blue chip talent across the roster. I think you got to start with focusing on that offense because Vic Fangio's expertise, Ed Donatel's expertise, is going to help overcome, let's just say, less than ideal talent across the board defensively. What you need is an overpowering show of force at the personnel level offensively to help compensate for Scangarello's continued learning curve and the fact that Drew Locke is entering year two. This offense could be something if they get that extra receiver, they add another dynamic running back. I mean, I'm I'm having visions of of grandeur for this offense if they can do that. They got a, the magic number for really being a, a viable offense that is the reason you're winning games week in and week out. It's anywhere north of 23 points. If you can get to anywhere north of 23 points on an average, the odds in the NFL that you're going to win that game are through the roof. Chad, great point. It's exactly what I wanted to say also. The Broncos, you know, you're never going to contain or fully stop Patrick Mahomes, but you can limit him. And the Broncos have the coaching firepower to limit Mahomes to, let's say, 21, 23, 24 points. But do we have confidence the Broncos offense can match those 21, 23, 24 points? They need to put themselves in a position where they can. And that's where I believe the wide receiver difference maker can help that offense in that sense. They need a guy to take the top off the defense, give Locke an extra weapon. And you know what? It would boost his confidence off the field too. It would signal to him that, listen, I really am the guy and this organization is fully supporting me after keeping me on the bench and putting behind Joe Flacco and Brandon Allen. They're getting me the weapons, getting me the, the, the keys I need to be successful. It just sends a good message overall into the entire team. So wide receiver right now, January 6th, that's where I'm leaning. Jordan says, I really hope Locke silences all critics so people will stop talking about veteran quarterbacks coming to Denver. I'm so tired of that conversation. We are too, to be honest with you, Jordan. The reason why we're talking about it is because it's Tom Brady. If it was anybody besides Tom Brady, like even Phillip Rivers, the the future is up in the air for him coming out of 2019. Nobody's trying to connect that dot. No one in local media, no one really on the national level is trying to connect Phillip Rivers to Denver, whereas a year ago, they totally would have. Drew Locke's the reason why that's not even a consideration. It's because it's Tom Brady, that it's going to be a trope until it's not. And until it's not means until free agency rolls around and Tom Brady makes a decision and ends up somewhere, that's when it'll end as a as a what-if storyline trope. The title of this podcast is that the Tom Brady to the Broncos trope must die. All right, we're we're not for it. We don't think that it's, it's viable. And I think Elway – you know, he's going to have a hard time, Zach, resisting the urge to kick the tires. But I think ultimately he will because he understands what the Broncos went through for three and a half, four years and did it the hard way, did it the old fashioned way. They busted on one first round quarterback. They kept swinging. They kept drafting quarterbacks. Eventually they draft Locke. 
and it ends up being a hit, you don't want to mess with that juju. The football gods, the football fates, whatever you want to say, the Broncos did it the hard way. They're being rewarded for it. Now's the time where you don't want to alter that equation. Right. We're not the ones peddling this, but when you have people like Peter King connecting those dots and saying Brady's a viable option for Denver, we have to address that. We're just laying out the fact that it's not going to happen. And to to answer the question, I believe Locke did silence the credit chat. He went 4-1. and one. I think he established himself as a 2020 starter, the permanent starter. So he did silence those critics, and you're not going to see a veteran quarterback come in this offseason because of Drew Locke. I don't think we have to worry about that, fortunately, for a while now. Ryan, he says, I can't believe there's no steady press out there about how Drew Locke came in here and absolutely changed everything. At the local level, there is. I mean, milehighhuddle.com, I mean, we're, we're probably publishing it on average at least one Drew Locke story, some storyline as it relates to his what he did in, in 2019 and what the future can hold as it relates to Drew Locke comes out at least once a day. And we're not the only publication, local TV, local print, local um, – radio talks a lot about it and of course all the other fan blogs that are out there it's a it's a trope locally i think what you're getting at ryan is why aren't they talking about it on the national level and it's because the playoffs are happening the broncos aren't in the playoffs now once the playoffs are through and the super bowl's over and you get into the dog days of the off season yeah they're, they're going to start talking about drew lock again but i kind of hope that they don't zach to be honest with you i want him to fly under right. the radar i want him to kind of come out of nowhere in 2020 kind of like Lamar Jackson did for the Baltimore Ravens in 2019. Yeah, the, the thing is about Locke and the Broncos especially, they really perform better as underdogs when they start to get you know too ahead of themselves. They start to stumble. But Locke, he was getting that national press in the, in the season finale when he was you know rapping on the bench and this and that. He was getting a lot of national attention, and I think a lot of people were starting to come around to him. But like you said, they've been out of the playoffs so long. They've been pretty much irrelevant for so long, Denver football now. But Locke is slowly putting them back on the map, and it won't be long next season when he starts to ball out that everyone, local and national, will take notice. Nick says, I'm an admin with real fans only, and I always promote your work. Well, thanks, Nick. We appreciate Thank you, bro. Can we see more from Scangarello next season? You know, I I think we've maintained a pretty we've been we've tried to be as real with you about Scangarello's learning curve this year in terms of trying to understand and explain why the Broncos failed to get to the 20 points per game average even as a complete unit through 16 games while also keeping you keeping it poised through an optimistic lens for what the future holds. I think as Drew Locke goes, so goes Rich Scangarello. I think if Drew Locke attacks this offseason like he says he's going to, right now he's taking time off. He's in Florida chilling with family, his fiance or girlfriend or whatever, and trying to decompress. It'll only be a couple of weeks. He'll be back in Denver. He'll be back in the building, be doing his offseason stuff. And depending on how he attacks this offseason, how seriously he takes it, I think the Broncos, and as long as the Broncos don't screw it up, like I said, by making dumb personnel decisions, Drew Locke, I like his odds of of turning that ship, and that'll make Rich Scangarello look that much better in his second year as a coordinator, Zach. That's a great point, and I want the Broncos to kind of you know mold the offense around Drew Locke, not mold Drew Locke around the offense, and I think they have enough creativity, enough confidence in Locke to make that happen, but I agree with you. They're all tied at the hip right now, especially Scangarello and Locke. As, as one goes, the other goes, but I think when Locke becomes more comfortable, more starts under his belt, and more uh, wins under his belt, It'll make Scangarello a more comfortable and confident play caller as well. So no downside at all. Charlie says the Broncos beat the team that beat the Patriots 16 to nothing. 
and should have beat the team that beat the Saints. You know, it's kind of interesting, that topic, and thanks for the comment there, Charlie. It's interesting because you look at the two AFC teams that won in the wild card, the Texans, Broncos trounced them, right, in their house. The Tennessee Titans, Broncos beat them. It took a fourth quarter, I don't want to say a stand because they had the lead, but it took a fourth quarter, you know, the team playing complete football in order to emerge victorious. It's hard to completely credit that Tennessee win though, Zach, because the first three quarters of that game was played by Marcus Mariota and not Ryan Tannehill. That was the game in which the shift occurred for Tennessee going from Mariota. They bench him and go to Tannehill. It was too late in that game to really change the outcome. But yeah, I mean, the Broncos beat both those teams and even Derek Wolf. I want to go back to something he said. Uh, uh, geez, I might not, I might have to <clears throat> pull it back up. I'll, I'll find it here in just a second. But to paraphrase him, what Derek Wolf said is, look, you know, if we we should have beat the Bears, we should have beat uh, the Jaguars, and we should have beat the Colts. Those three wins were a 10-win team in 2019. Even with all the ups and downs we endured, the injury bug, a rookie head coach, a rookie coordinator, we could have won 10 games. We were that far away, is, is his point, from being a playoff team. And then you also factor in who they did beat. I mean, they beat the Texans. They beat the Titans. There's a lot to be excited about if you're a Denver Broncos fan heading into 2020. That front office, Zach, they just got to make sure they don't screw it up. Yeah, the thing about Wolf's comments is I'm not one for moral victories. I'm not one to play woulda, coulda, shoulda. They didn't win those games, and that's why they finished with what they finished with. But it showed that the Broncos are right there on the precipice of being a playoff team, and they can hang with the best of them. They even did it in 2017 uh, and 2018 under Vance Joseph with uh, Patrick Mahomes. They are a good team with some good players. Once it all comes together, now that they have the franchise quarterback, they'll be right back in that mix. They'll be, I think, a 9-10 win team in 2020 if all things pan out. Our friend Larry, Broncos fan, number 24, jumps in with a $10 donation and a comment. Peter King is only saying Brady to Denver because early in the season, he went to one practice and said Locke is nowhere near ready to play, and he just wants to be right. And I bet you there's some truth to that, to be honest with you. Like when he was here, Locke was – the messaging from the team was, yeah, he's going to take some time and, you know, he's raw and all that stuff. And at the time – you know, there was some truth to how the team viewed him in that way. That was just kind of the the view internally. In fact, I think you can make an argument, Zach, that when Peter King visited the Denver Broncos last summer during training camp, the Broncos' plan was for Drew Locke to not even see the field for three years. Like, if you look at how they structured that at the doorstep of the regular season, that restructure on Flacco's contract, that spoke to a front office that, kind of viewed him as the guy for the next at least two years, if not three. But the injury bug is no respecter of persons. Flacco, A, got out to a 2-6 and six start, which even the Broncos could not foresee. They thought they would at least be 500 team with him at the helm. Then the neck thing happens, which also coincides with him criticizing Scangarello and Fangio's decision-making and play calling. Once that point happened, though, you've got a whole second half of a season in which you need to have – a reason for fans to come to the to the stadium. They green light Drew Locke. They get him on the field, and the rest is history. Now there's no going back. I mean, Drew Locke, let's not forget, he, just, he didn't just come in and start five games and, you know, hold his own. Drew Locke came in, went four and one as a starter, set NFL rookie records and franchise rookie records. It was an historic five-game stretch for a rookie quarterback in the history of the NFL. So since Peter King was in Denver last, everything – 
the entire complexion of of this thing has changed. The landscape has completely shifted, Zach. I mean, I don't want to discount uh, Peter King. He's as plugged in as they come, and especially with the Patriots. And, you know, I don't know how many fans remember, but he actually called Case Keenum to the Broncos last year. So he definitely has some skin in the game. But these national media folks, they look at the Broncos through a very narrow lens. They compare their records from the last couple years. They see how bad they've done. They they realize that they've been out of the playoffs, and they form an opinion based on that. Like you said, Chad, at that point, Drew Locke isn't what the Drew Locke we see now is. He He wasn't even on the field. He has no confidence. He has no starting experience, no starting ability. But now that narrative has changed. And I agree it's more of his opinion, Peter King. I just don't agree with it. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Josh says Ruggs or Isaiah Simmons should be our top targets in this draft, agreeing with something another listener viewer uh, had to say. We've talked a lot about what Ruggs could do for this offense. We scratched the surface a little bit on Isaiah Simmons, but he's a guy at 15. If you, if he's there, he's a guy I'm not shedding any tears over if the Broncos right. landed Simmons, Isaiah Simmons. I mean, he's a guy that could do a lot for this defense, giving you that athletic sideline to sideline linebacker that's almost like a DB hybrid. I would love to see him play ball in Fangio's defense and kind of be Denver's Roquan Smith. I would love it too. And he's one of the few, you know, players and defensive players that I would be on the board for in round one. I think they should go for rugs or go for a tackle. But, you know, you go for someone like Simmons in a Vic Fangio defense, that's a movable chess piece. And you saw what they can do with Kareem Jackson last year. I mean, you saw the versatility in some of their players. It would be a great pick for them. I'm with you. I, I wouldn't shed any tears. We'll grab a couple more here and then wish you guys a good rest of your Monday evening. Buck and Bronco 58 wants to know speaking of Simmons. When the heck are we going to offer Justin Simmons a new contract? Well, at this point, the Broncos have time on their side. There's not a lot that can be done between now and when the new league year opens. They are also bound by certain strictures as it relates to the CBA and free agency and negotiations. Although when it's your own player, I think a lot of that stuff goes out the window. But John Elway basically said, Zach, that if push comes to shove, we're going to franchise tag Justin Simmons. This is another article that I had today at milehighhuddle.com. 
which is that Justin Simmons is okay. If he gets franchise tagged, he's completely fine with that. He would view a long-term extension or a franchise tag, either one, as a blessing. He wants to stay in Denver. Now, what will it cost the Broncos if they do franchise tag him? Zach, it's expected that the franchise tag number for safeties in 2020 is going to be around $12 million. Then you look at that contract that the Bears just gave Eddie Jackson. The Broncos are going to have to be willing, if they want to hold on to Justin Simmons, they have to pay him somewhere between 12 to $15 million APY annually per year on an average, on an extension, contract, whatever you want to call it. Do you think in a – this is a fair question, what I'm about to pose to you here, Zach, and I want all of our listeners to really ponder this. In a defensive system that is as safety-friendly – as Vic Fangio's is. I mean, look at what Simmons did. Yes. Look at what Kareem Jackson did. Absolutely. Even look at what Trey Marshall was able to impact late in the season when he had to step in because Kareem Jackson was, was uh, suspended. Then go back and look at how the safeties performed Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson under Fangio in Chicago. Then go back to San Francisco, Antoine Bethay and uh, who was his counterpart? I'm blanking right now, but pretty much everywhere Fangio goes, the safeties thrive. So my point being, is it worth paying top dollar, 12 to 15 million per year to keep Justin Simmons, knowing that doesn't necessarily be, has to be a jag, but Fangio could probably get a pretty close production out of any, almost any other player that's a safety in the NFL. See, that's, a, that's my thing, though. It's pretty close. It's not. A, it's probably, it's not a sure thing, whereas you know what you have in Justin Simmons already, and I think he's worth every penny. And not only do you take care of him and lock down a core piece for the future, but again, it signals to the Broncos in the locker room that if you play well and you perform well, we will take care of you. We're not going to strip you out like Emmanuel Sanders. We're not going to bench you like a Joe Flacco. We will reward you for the blood, sweat, and tears you do put in. You make a great point. I mean, Fangio has the magic touch with safeties, but Simmons has steadily improved year by year by year and this year he finally broke out in a contract year and he should be good with either scenario he either gets a one-year deal for 12 million it gets it paid again next year or gets a long-term contract but i think the broncos know the fans know and i think simmons knows he's worth the money and i think he will get that money in denver jordan says i know you guys can't predict the future but it's the off season and i'm thinking if we make the playoffs in 2020 do you think skings could be a head coach somewhere in 21 i hope that he stays for luck I think if the Broncos offense, kind of like how Greg Roman became a thing, right? Greg Roman's now a thing in the NFL for head coaching opportunities because of what he did with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. If the Broncos blow down the doors in 2020 offensively in the same way and win a lot of games in the same way that the Ravens did this year, absolutely he's going to be a hot commodity. It's just a question of do you really expect him to be that much of an outlier performance in 2020? Or is this more like expecting – you know, you don't want to put the, the cart too far ahead of the horse here because Drew Locke, I do expect him to turn a corner, and it wouldn't surprise me, as I've already said on this particular episode, to see him have a kind of coming out party in year two similar to Lamar Jackson. However, for me, I'm just looking at get to that 23-point mark, and then we, let's talk from there. Yeah, it would take a, an offensive explosion this season. I'm talking unparalleled, like you said, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes level of output for Scangarello to get head coaching opportunities. You're talking about a coordinator right now who many fans consider on the hot seat and want to fire after his first season. So I think a good year with Drew Locke more than likely would just secure him as the offensive coordinator of the future. And then, like you said, going into 2021 or 2022, if he can prove that he did it again, 
then he would get some head coaching looks. But until then, he still has to prove he's even a capable coordinator in the NFL, let alone a head coaching candidate. And I think that's fair. At this point, I mean, we don't need to go through all the bona fides of how the Broncos offense finished in terms of their their rankings in the NFL. Let's just look at it through how they did in that final five games with a competent, dynamic young quarterback. And that's why you got to be a little bit bullish about Scangarello turning a corner in year two because the signs indicated. Let's, I mean, let's go back in time. Week 13, Broncos scored 23. 23-20, I think, was the final score in that Chargers game. The next, the Broncos scored 38 against the Texans. The next, they got trounced by Kansas City, only three points. That was the outlier game. And then coming out of that, let's see, what was it? Week 16 against Detroit, 27, if I'm not mistaken. And then the final in week six, uh, week 17, they scored 16 to 15, right? 16 points. So with the exception of the Raiders game, which was just a weird, scrappy, tough, just, you know, balls to the wall type of, of heavyweight blow for blow type of football game. And that snow game, which was also an outlier for offensive football and trying to evaluate slash grade a rookie quarterback, Drew Locke and Rich Gingarello with Drew Locke under center had the Broncos scoring where they need to be scoring points-wise. It's true, and that's why I'm saying if they can just go above the minimum, if they can just get to a 25-28 point range on a weekly basis, that would establish Scangarello as a bona fide play caller, bona fide coordinator, and also Locke as a bona fide franchise quarterback. But until that point, both have a lot to work on, both have a lot they have to still uh, sharpen their proverbial, proverbial swords with. Until that happens, I'm not talking about head coaching candidates, John. All right, last one here from James. He says, what do you guys think about us letting Justin Simmons walk, signing Will Parks, drafting Grant Delpit, and then use the money that would have gone to Simmons to go all in offensively in free agency? I, to me, it doesn't have to be one or the other. They're going to have enough money where they can pay Justin Simmons and still get whoever they want. And, and Will Parks, to me, is a throw into that deal, Chad. He's not a starting caliber player. He's a nice backup to have. And again, you're go- gambling on the unknown when you already have a known su- star, borderline superstar in Justin Simmons. So pay the guy, give him his money, and go on from there. And Delpit, listen, he's a really dynamic player. But for Vic Fangio's defense, for DBs, You've heard him say it multiple times. Tackling is non-negotiable, and Delpit just frankly misses way too many tackles to feel comfortable as a fit for the Broncos. Like, I would be surprised if he were, when it's all said and done, the Broncos put together their big board, and you could be a fly on the wall in that war room. I'd be stunned if if Delpit was a guy high on Fangio's particular uh, list of priorities. Not because he isn't talented. He is. But it's just he's he's not a complete package that say, that, that Fangio demands as a tackler, as a physical presence at his safety positions. Yeah, I think, you know, why would you want to replace a guy like Justin Simmons who can do it all? He's a good run stuffer. He's a good guy in pass coverage. He's a good teammate, good in in the fan base. He's a guy who said he will take less to come back to Denver. So I don't see why you would shortchange that guy and kind of upset the whole apple cart there. Pay him and move on. A.J. Green, last thing we got a bunch of guys talking about. A.J. Green, Keith says, how would you feel about A.J. Green signing then Ruggs in the slot, Sutton at one, Green at two, et cetera? I mean, in a perfect world, I don't know. I think the Broncos already have the next best thing to an A.J. Green, and that's right. a young Cortland Sutton. Exactly. Right? You need the different. You need a, a different skill set. You need a short area burst, vertical, explosive speed, Z-wide receiver, and that's what Ruggs could bring to the table. Green – uh, his best days are behind him, let's be honest. Like It's not that he doesn't still have value. It's not that he still can't produce in the NFL. But 
you already kind of have that in a younger version and a more explosive player because he's got youth on his side in Cortland Sutton's at. And they have possession guys like Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton. They have zero burning, uh, burner receivers on the roster. They need that number two guy. And if, unless you're going to give me Julio Jones as a veteran receiver, I don't want any retread, especially a guy like A.J. Green, who's coming off an injury. is going to be expensive. You have Cortland Sutton. Why would you impede his progress and also Ruggs' progress with someone like A.J. Green? So not going to happen. Jordan, Broncos country is legit the class of the NFL when it comes to fan bases and all professional sports, in my opinion. We we see that play out on a daily basis in the amount of support and love that, that fans show Mile High Huddle and the Huddle Up pod in particular. You guys are awesome. And as long as you keep showing up and listening to the pod and viewing us live, we're going to keep bringing you this this content. And then don't forget, though, to check out the, the work we're doing on the written side at milehighhuddle.com every day. Somewhere between four to six high-quality, deep-dive articles on your Broncos, the draft, free agency. So make sure you're, you guys are checking all that stuff out as well. But, you guys, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod. Again, it's just simply the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. My partner, Zach Kelberman, can be found on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. Stay tuned because we will be off Tuesday night. There will be no live podcast, but we will be back in the saddle Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll see what transpires in the in Broncos country between now and then from a news and analysis perspective. We'll see what the NFL at large has to say. And then, of course, on Wednesday morning, you guys can expect a fresh episode podcast of, of Building the Broncos. So stay tuned for that. But For Zach Kelberman, Zach, have a good night, my brother. You as well. I'll see you Wednesday night. I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you guys then. Wednesday, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Wendy's new French toast sticks are so delicious, some are saying that they're better than their mom's breakfast. Excuse me, did you just say Wendy's new French toast sticks are better than my breakfast? Mom, is that you? Answer the question. I said some people are saying that because they're so crispy on the outside and fluffy on the inside and perfect in every way. Uh Uh-huh. And what do you think? I think it's time to tell people to choose wisely. Choose Wendy's new sweet and crispy homestyle French toast sticks. That's still not an answer. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours.